Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. Executive Director of Outreach for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, the NCMEC, is our guest. Jerice Cologne joins us, a child safety advocate and experienced nonprofit executive with more than 10 years' experience providing leadership, strategic direction, and vision for the development and implementation of national programs and campaigns, organizational goals, and strategic objectives. More than a pleasure to have Jerice with us. Jerice, good afternoon and welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, there is, I have a, an eight year old and a soon to be nine year old, uh, I have uh, kids and I must say, um, it scares me when I look at the world that they're entering going forward. Um, I remember I'm a law and order fan and I remember years ago, uh, a former old, um, uh, character on the show named Elliot Stabler who had like four five, six kids of his own. He talked about the boogeyman, the bad guy. And he said mm-hmm. it's in there, and he pointed to a computer. And I think a lot of people are very concerned about the boogeyman, uh, you know, being in that computer. Uh, there are adults that portray themselves into teens that lure teens away. I just saw something on the ID channel about a girl that went to meet a 17-year-old boy, never came back, and a 36-year-old repeated sex offender on, per- on parole raped and killed her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and there's just so much, whether it's, you know, not just security and safety, but especially security and safety, um, you know, with our kids um, is, you know, the, are, are we overreacting or is this a very real boogeyman, bad man, a monster out there? You know, I don't think they were overreacting at all. Um, you know, technology is a wonderful thing. And, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have to worry about these sorts of things. But now kids are living their lives online. And so, you know, the same kind of conversations that we've had with our kids over the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years about don't talk to strangers or, you know, look both ways before crossing the streets, you know, those conversations have to shift with the times because we're so free to give our kids the latest phone or the latest tablet and give them access to the Internet at great speeds and, you know, all these different memberships that they're signing up for. But we have to stop and think about what that really means. It's not just a place for, you know, doing research on your homework or connecting with your friends. It really opens up their lives to people that they don't know. Um, and sometimes, you know, that's fine. You know, you meet a, a new student and you're sort of like a pen pal situation. But oftentimes what's happening is that kids are being targeted. And, you know, without the right tools, without the right conversation with parents, without the right trust and, and, and family relationships, to be able to talk about some of these things, it can get very scary, and sometimes kids are left to fend for themselves, and it's, it's unfair. I had never heard this word before our segment today in preparation for this hour, sextortion. And I guess prosecutors are using it, the term sextortion. Uh, legally, it's not an actual uh, real legal term. 
um, it's slang, but prosecutors are using this more and more. Mm -hmm. Could you tell folks what that's about and why prosecutors are using this? Sure. You know, sextortion is a relatively new form of online sexual exploitation. Um, for years at the National Center, we've been dealing with, you know, child pornography, um, online solicitation. But this kind of blindsided us because it's where you have a lot of coercion that is introduced to kids, just blackmail, to, you know, try to get sexual content from them, whether that's photos or videos. Um, sometimes they're asking for money. Sometimes they're trying to have sex with the child. Um, so, you know, it's something that we didn't even think about Five years ago, but is certainly on the rise again because you're, you know, you allow all this technology with kids um, and not thinking that this is even a possibility. Um, so a lot of law enforcement and a lot of prosecutors are using this term because it really accurately describes what is happening. It's extortion for sex. Um, and whether that's just images or videos that kids may take and send, um, these types of things can haunt them forever. I mean, it's not like you know, this person is in your house and this person has been, the child has been abducted, but their identity is being is being taken. Um, images of them, their innocence, their childhood is being stolen. Um, and so it's something that I'm happy that prosecutors are, are using this now because it's definitely brought a lot of attention um, to, to the issue. Um, and, you know, when people think about sextortion, I don't think that they really thought that it affected kids, and it, it certainly does. Uh, yeah, most definitely. Um, but let's talk about what what this is, because when I read this, it says um, each case of extortion involves an attacker who effectively invades the homes of sometimes large numbers of remote victims because it's done through the computer, through Cyberland, and it demands the demands the production of sexual activity from them. Explain that. Is that like somebody trolling chat rooms for teens who are unhappy with their family life? They're vulnerable. They pretend to be the same as them or with a teenage girl who might think, oh, wow, an older man finds them attractive and gets them to take naked pictures of themselves or gets them to expose body parts uh, for their own uh, perverted uh, desires? It's a little bit of both. Um, we have a lot of incidents where you'll have a troll um, that's like perusing Facebook or Snapchat or another like social media site or messaging app, um, trying to make friends with with kids. Um, and you know, oftentimes, you know, kids will just accept anyone. Um, if you know, like, oh, I want to be your friend, great, we're in the same area. What do you like? Um, and so, you know, they're they're more apt to kind of start these conversations with them. And you know, an innocent photo can turn very, you know, not innocent very quickly. Um, and so. Once a child has handed over any sort of photo that's exposing any part of their body, um, the person who's, who's asked for that photo or that video is, be, begins to ask for more. So you showed me a topless picture, now I want your whole body, or now I want okay. you to do X, Y, and Z on film. Okay, we're going to talk more about this, have people going, you lost me. We'll be back right after this. I'm Leslie Marshall. We are back, back with our guest, back with you. You want to join us, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. You have questions, pick up the phone and join us, 888-6-LESLIE. Juris Colon is our, our guest, executive director of Outreach for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, NCMEC. We're talking about sextortion, cybersecurity, teenagers, and remote sexual assault. Now, somebody on Twitter said, uh, at Nunca Trump said, Remote sexual assault? You lost me there, dear. Jerice, you were beginning to explain that before the break. Please continue. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you might, some of your listeners might find it, uh, you know, funny or something that is not possible to happen, but it's definitely remote sexual assault. It's someone who is entering your home through your computer, demanding photos and images and using them against you. Um, and so we have a lot of these kids who, you know, will send one photo and then it leads to another photo and then it leads to another video. And then they don't know what to do once they've gotten to that point because they're blackmailing them for more images. And if you don't, if you don't send them, then, you know, they threaten you to tell all your friends or share it on Facebook or show your teacher. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting you say that. Remember I told you the ID channel thing I was watching. Mm -hmm. I'm an ID channel addict. Not that I watch that much TV, but if I can now and then I'll catch one. And this is exactly what happened. This was a girl who was 15. Um, She was a little bit heavy. She wasn't the prettiest girl in school. She had low self-esteem, no boyfriends, no boys interested in her. And then this guy in line with a fake profile, fake picture becomes interested in her. And they get close, and he convinces her to show him her breasts. So she takes the picture, sends it. And then um, they keep communicating, and he says um, he wants to meet with her. And, you know, she wants to meet with him. And when she gets there, she sees this is a 36-year-old man, um, and she runs away. And he texts her the picture and says, I'm going to put this out on the internet if you don't meet me tomorrow night same place same time mm-hmm. she gives in she died that night i mean he raped yeah. her and he murdered her now of course this is not every single case but we none of us want our daughters our sisters our mothers our friends whoever um you know nieces nephews grandchildren to be that one um so like you said um this is how whether somebody's just getting the pictures and and obviously anybody who's who's giving a picture you never know what that person's going to do with it or somebody else who grabs onto it in cyberspace, right? Absolutely not. Um, and that's why, you know, we have an entire Internet safety program for kids. And the backbone of that is to think before you post, be responsible about what you're doing, because you wouldn't want anyone to see a nude photo of yourself, um, even if it's meant for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You know, pictures last forever. Boyfriends and girlfriends don't. Um, and so it's so important that you kind of keep those those private. Um, it's interesting that the girl that, that you mentioned was 15 years old, because that's about the median age for these, ty- these types of cases that we're seeing. Um, so you have a, a, a teen who may or may not have a, a, an active social life, but is very social online. Um, and is seeking out that friendship and that love and that attention from people that, she, that they meet online. And it affects boys and girls. Um, you know, it really doesn't matter about what their socioeconomic status is. Um, it's about the attention. And then, you know, you're meeting these folks and you're providing all this, these images and videos. And it can go very badly very quickly. Okay. I want to also share there was a, another um, post in question. Martin tweeted, blackmail's a crime. Should not law enforcement have the powers to investigate while respecting privacy of others? Absolutely. Um, you know, we blackmail is a crime, and that's why it's treated that way. Um, oftentimes, though, when you're talking about um, an older person who is extorting um, a child, you get into a whole lot of different other crimes. So it's all it's all about um, online solicitation. Sometimes it could be sexual assault, um, child pornography. So there's a lot of other crimes that are woven into that um, that uh, law enforcement uh, end up investigating when they are looking at cases of extortion. Let's take some calls in Georgia, line two, listening on Progressive Voices. Reggie joins us. Reggie, question or comment for our guest, Jerese Cologne. Yes, I have a question for your guest, Jerese Cologne. Uh, how do we stop child pedophilia and the, and the, predators, and the predators who do this kind of, kind of thing? I say we all send them straight to hell. That's my, that's my own, very own personal opinion. What say you, ma'am? Uh, yep. 
Well, there's definitely a special place for them. Um, and, you know, at the National Center, we work so very closely with law enforcement and parents to make sure that kids are protected um, from those who want to harm them. Um, it's just, it's terrible. And, you know, I think together as a community, we can help save children um, and protect them. But it really starts with making sure kids know what to look out for, making sure they know um, that they can say no to certain things, um, that it's their bodies to protect. Um, and if they need help, they have someone, a trusted adult to go to, um, whether it be a parent or a cousin or a youth leader, um, or they can always report to uh, the National Center at CyberTipLine.com. When we look at cases like this, they could be on a state level, a federal level, even internationally. And again, sorry to bring up law and order, uh, but there was an episode that uh, intrigued me, so I looked it up. And I'm not going to take the time to look it up while I'm talking to you because I then I wouldn't be talking to you. Um, but and you may remember this case that it, well, technically, for example, if you take a photograph that you got from the victim online, and you are and that and that victim is a minor because much like. The person online may not know who they're talking to that asks for the naked pictures. Uh, so many of those young girls or boys are young girls or boys or may not be the age they're, you know, reporting online that they are, right, or claiming mm-hmm. and stating to be. Now, if you take that image, that sexually explicit image of a minor, and you distribute it on the Internet, and hundreds and hundreds of people click onto your site or your chat room and see this, there have been cases where 700-plus charges run against one person for that one action. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I sure do. Talk to us about that. So the people, you know, because people listening, you don't want to just protect your kids. You also want to know how, because, you know, we have guys out there listening to us 16, 17, 18, you know, and kids, how this one picture you give or one picture that you're asking for or one picture that somebody is asking you for and going to threaten you with over and over, how this becomes a domino effect, especially if you think, oh, it's just one picture that you're posting or reposting. Absolutely. And, you know, when you're talking about images of children, um, you know, it's very, it's very rare that someone will publicize that as an adult picture. They, when you're talking about child pornography, people want to know that it's child pornography, um, those that are looking for it. So the people that, um, that troll these sites, that visit these sites, that pay for these things, um, you know, it's absolutely a crime. And um, it's devastating to the children involved because, as you know, once you put it out there, that's it. Um, so, you know, there have been a lot of laws enacted um, – state on the state level and federal level to try to get some of those images back and then also to provide restitution to victims because it is something that haunts them forever. Um, we have cases that we received when the cyber chip plan first opened more than 20 years ago, and those images are still being circulated. And these children are now adults, but that still affects them greatly. Talk to us about that effect when you say it affects them greatly so people understand what that means. Sure. You know, we have a lot of a lot of cases where um, kids' images will appear online, and they're you know they'll be on more than one site. And when you when you find the person who's uploading it, you you go to trial. You you get notices from um, from the feds every time your image is included in a in a case. And so, as imagine yourself as a 15 or 16 year old child who knows that their images are floating around, knows that maybe their the kids in their classes um, have seen these images, their neighbors have seen these images. We've seen children who will have to go and change their names, change schools, leave states because they don't want to be associated with that. They don't want anybody to know, which is understandable. Um, And in some very extreme cases, I mean, if you remember – 
um, there was a string of children who were committing suicide because of images they posted and then they were being cyberbullied. So, you know, the, the effects of, of, of this can be truly, truly devastating for the children and for their families as well. I want to talk about um, the average teenager or young adult Internet user. Are these the biggest targets, would you say, uh, for cybersecurity? Absolutely. Absolutely, especially when you're talking about sextortion and online enticement, um, because these are the kids who live their lives online. Uh, you or I may not be online 24-7, but, you know, I know plenty of teens who can't put their cell phones down. Um, and so when you're online that much, you know, you're not just talking to the people that you know in person. You're talking to a, a whole community of people. And so the more access we give um, to these kids, um, the, the more dangerous it becomes. And, and that's the very reason why we have to make sure that we start these conversations with kids very, very early on. So the moment that you place a child's uh, a phone in a child's hand, you need to be talking to them about what to do and what not to do, what type of information to share and what not to share, um, because it only gets um, it only gets more dangerous as they get older because you're giving them more access and, and more freedom to roam. Um, but it's you know it starts at home. Um, when we talk about cybersecurity, and of course there's the sexual aspect, but there are also identity theft aspects, right? People are out there want to steal identities or money, credit card numbers, for example, right? Absolutely. And, you know, in a lot of the, the kids that we looked at for the sextortion analysis that we did at the National Center, you know, we looked at some of the, the, the kids who were affected and who were asking, who had been asked for money. Um, and a lot of the male victims were asked for money. Um, and, you know, so that, that's one piece of it. But then you also have kids who, you don't have a credit history yet, you will, but you want to win that new iPad. And so they're, you know, they're putting in a lot of information on sites that are probably not that reputable. Um, so it's not just about, you know, the sex crimes. It also is about protecting the safety of their futures. And when we talk about the future, I think a lot of people may forget that, you know, you could interview for a job, run for office, or even if you're a stay-at-home mom, your kids could see these things. And how do you tell your kids, keep your clothes on, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, and we know what the world is like now online. God knows what it will be like uh, then in the future, right? I mean, I mean, you know, you know, we all as Americans very much live for the moment. We have, you know, drive through lives and fast paced lives, many of us. But I think the older we get, we, you know, take a breath and we slow it down in some respects. Um, but we don't feel invincible, uh, you know, as much as we did when we were teens or young adults. And, you know, perhaps don't feel as reckless because, you know, maybe we're more responsible, more mature. We know there are consequences to um, our actions. Um, this would be, I would imagine, another reason why teens and young adults um, are targeted and are so easily targeted, not only because they have a lot of time on their hands, and like you said, this is where they live and they spend so much time, um, but they're very vulnerable because they have this mentally, I'm going to live forever, rose-colored glasses, nothing bad's going to happen to me kind of uh, thing and very much live for the now, right? Yeah, you know, years ago when we first started talking about safety, we made clear distinctions between real-world safety and, and online safety. But now there is no distinction. Um, there is a, a blended world that kids and, you know, adults live in um, that years ago we had to separate because it was very, very clear that they were, they were two different things. But now, you know, your schooling, your, your employment, your dating life, um, all of it is blended. Um, and so we have to take extra care. And because it's, it is just a click of a button, sometimes it's so easy easy to give up information or images that um, that you not you wouldn't normally do if you were in person. Um, talk to us briefly because uh, of time about the different forms that sextortion takes and the kind of statutes it's prosecuted under. 
Sure. So sextortion can be a number of things. Um, what we've seen mostly, though, is one for images and videos, um, sometimes for sex, um, and then others for money. Um, and those are really the three big pots that, um, when we took a look at the analysis, what we what we learned. Um, we also learned that you know most times, um, in about 22 or so percent of the the cases, you had uh, individuals who were sextorting multiple victims. Um, there was a large case that broke, I think, maybe two years ago. A case of Ashley Reynolds, um, and you know, we learned that she was part of a, a ring, essentially, where this one guy was extorting 300 different women and girls. Um, and so it's something that you have someone sitting in a room, essentially, um, and just kind of cataloging images. We put out a really fantastic PSA earlier this year about sextortion that I encourage all your listeners to visit. It's at the missingkids.org slash sextortion, um, and it's very um, a very telling of how those sextortion um, cases tend to go down. What can parents do? Because obviously parents do still, if their kids are living with them, um, have a responsibility to take care of the kids and make sure that this type of information, whether it's credit card information, identity information, or more so, you know, sexual information Mm -hmm. uh, goes out there. You know, this is a lesson that has to be taught. Um, and so parents really have to take control in making sure that they actually have open and honest conversations with kids about online safety and blended, the splendid world we live in, whether it's about not sharing your social security number or um, meeting someone you meet offline or know offline. Um, it's a conversation that has to have be, has a start and has to be ongoing. Talking about the types of information that should and should not be shared, um, the types of activities that are okay online. Um, and it's just like smoking or drug use. Um, you talk your kids about this all the time over and over again until it sinks in and this is no different and for parents would you say because i know i'm guilty of this um i need to be uh better versed uh, at the internet and i i know that you know i have the opinion we'll see what happens when my kids get older and be teens that the computer would be in a central place so when kids are doing their homework or whatever i can always peer over their shoulder in other words they're not locked away in their room to hide whatever they're doing online you know, that that used to work. Um, ah. But now with laptops, you know, laptops are kind of going the way of the dodo. Right. Um, most kids are using their cell phone or tablets, which are mobile. So I can be in, in my bedroom. I can be in the bathroom. I can be outside. So it's all about making sure that, you know, you know what types of devices your kids are using, but also where they're going online. So if your children are using, you know, Twitter and Snapchat or Uvu or their, um, you know, whatever they're doing online, wherever they're going, where they're visiting, where they're meeting their friends, get to know them those devices and get to know those social media sites and then the messaging apps. Um, Because the more you know about how these things work and what your kids are doing, the better off you will be and your children will be. And then I would imagine you are saying that you got to spy on your kids. you got to take that tablet, that phone, and you got to see what they're doing for their safety. I call it parenting. <laughs> I call it parenting. You know, you have to you have to be involved in your your children's lives. It's just like you yeah. Know, it's, well, years ago when I was getting out that I'm a dinosaur, but I had a diary, and it was wide open on my desk. And my mother read it, and I was you know mortified. And my mother's like, it was open on the desk. I was you know cleaning your room, <laughs> making your bed, and you know you live in this house. Everything you got, I own, and you know it's. Uh, it's up for grabs. I really appreciate you being on. I think it's a, an important thing that your organization is doing, and I think it's a terrible thing that technology can be so good, yet these are one of the many ills of it, and that our children uh, can be harmed as a result. Jerice Cologne, Executive Director of Outreach for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, has been our guest, the NCMEC. Follow at Missing Kids and follow her at Cologne Jerice, that's C O L O N J U R I E S E. 
The website is missingkids.com. You can also go to, for more about this specific issue, missingkids.org forward slash sextortion, S-E-X-T-O-R-T-I-O-N. 